Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending your time with us. Welcome to a new episode of Crave Arts Presents The Future of Film, featuring intimate interviews with the best student filmmakers from around the world. My name is Tom Oliva, and I am co-founder and executive director of Crave Arts and the All-American High School Film Festival, the premier destinations for emerging student filmmakers all over the world. Today, I am joined by festival alumni from 2019, Quinn Fluett to dig deep into what drives this emerging filmmaker. Quinn is our most recent winner of our top award, Best Overall Film, for his insightful and pleasantly delicate story of two teens struggling to connect and come of age under the shadow of an imminent alien invasion. The story concept of the film Ground Control sounds big, and it is, but what won over our judges was Quinn's ability to balance the dramatic conflict subtly focusing both his lens and his broader themes on complex characters rooted in realism despite the extraordinary circumstances they faced. The result is a rewarding visual experience that shows rather than tells, allowing the audience to explore larger questions of identity and the power of love to overcome adversity through the subtle development of the characters. Perhaps the best compliment I can give Quinn beyond his obvious talent for storytelling, is that his direction reveals a profound resourcefulness that does more with less, transcending the limitations of student filmmaking. It is my pleasure to welcome filmmaker Quinn Fluett. Hey, Quinn. Hello. So I'm doing great. Thanks so much for (laughs) taking some time to to join me today. Um, Let's kind of kick things off with where you are right now and what you're up to. Um, I've been kind of, I've had a lot of my plans for filmmaking canceled in the last few weeks, but, uh, I was lucky enough to get a good chunk of my latest short film shot with some of my classmates and friends here as dad and some teachers actually helped us out too. But, um, we were supposed to finish filming it this upcoming semester, but now it's delayed tentatively to the fall. Uh, so for now we're working on cutting together the scenes we have. We've got a really amazing professional colorist who used to go to our school to help us out. And um, we're going to keep pushing the school to fund us a little bit so we can finish all our filming in the next few months. Awesome. So I guess I should let our listeners know uh, in the event that they're listening to this uh, out of the context of our current (laughs) uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, you are sort of in between projects um, on leave from SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, but still down there in Georgia. Um, I'm glad to hear that you were able to get some stuff in the can and, and hopefully you can begin working on some posts with that. But it's a it's a challenging time for everyone. And obviously for, yeah. for artists who are, are working on, you know, completing projects or, or really wanting to tell their story and, and finish these things that they had in progress. Man, it's, it's got to be tough yeah. just to kind of wait. For, for us, it's a little bit of a silver lining because it gives me uh, I was under <laughs> a lot of stress the last few weeks in terms of getting um our locations and our pre-production set up for the next two shoots. Cause the stuff we shot was the small end of the film. We have all the big stuff coming up. Uh, like we had a, we have a, we have to find a relatively large uh, country style house to film in a few rooms for one weekend. We have to find that location. And we also have to build We're built me and uh, the DP and the production designer are working on building a very small set that's going to effectively be a fake machine that uses like projectors and um, wood and that that's the most complicated part. <laughs> so now we have uh, an extra few months to work on it without that pressure. And I'm, since I'm staying in Georgia, I can spend that time location scouting for everything and touching up the script and pushing the school for funding. So that gives us more time to do everything that we are on a deadline for. Now it's just a matter of like, reaching out to our donors who helped us fund the first part of the film and like telling them, Hey guys, we're making the movie. It's just going to take another few months, but here's what we shot already. Cause we thankfully all of the things that we promised them in terms of um, rewards for their donations is already, we just need to like finish cutting it together and sending it out to them. A so very, it's just a matter of communication right now. A, a very nice stroke of luck, I guess on that then. So yeah. tell me a little bit about this project that you're working on. What is, uh, what is the nature of the project? What's the story concept? So it's, um, it's kind of, it's similar in tone to, well, no, it's similar in style to ground control, but, uh, a little more, uh, 
bleak in terms of tone, uh, but it's a another sci-fi short film. <laughs> uh, this one is more centered around relativity and multiverse theory. So it's this idea of um, uh, just like the layout that we gave for the pitch was a year a year or so after the discovery of parallel dimensions. This organization that typically brings together families from natural disasters starts piecing together families who are from different dimensions. Like, let's say you lost your son. Well, they can find him in dimension wherever, and you guys can meet and talk. Uh, so this uh, young woman uh, is given the opportunity to meet her estranged father who abandoned her before she was born. And that sets up a lot of conflict for her because she she's not a perfect person and he's obviously not a perfect person. And as the audience, you only have her assumptions to go off of. So you basically, uh, you see them meet and they start to talk and you learn a lot about them for better and for worse. Okay. So <clears throat> I, I don't know. Uh, I, you're probably <laughs> aware of this. Uh, I don't know if all of the listeners are, but I'm a huge fan of this sort of realistic sci-fi type concept. I am too. So I'm glad they you are. <laughs> oh, I, I am all in on it because it, it really just, it adds layers to the story through the science. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's still all about characters and the conflicts that they face. And so hearing that it, it's so out of this world, but at the same time rooted in humanity, uh, is fascinating. Um, and how do you balance that as a storyteller? You know, how do you make sure that you don't get carried away with the, the the extravagance of the idea and keep it yeah. rooted in these these really these concepts that people who are watching are going to identify with and therefore become engaged with the rest of the story. I think honestly, like having no money helps. Because <laughs> if you, the, the less money you have, the less ex, the less extravagant you can afford to be. Um, and that was actually I actually I was going to mention I, while writing it, ran into that exact problem because uh, that fake machine we have to build, I was sitting at my desk at home over the summer writing this, and I was like, how am I going to show these characters traveling through dimensions in a way that won't look stupid on camera, but also will sell the idea and be interesting to watch? Because I, I didn't want it to be like you see them in one place, and then there's a title card that says they're in a new place, because I felt like that was cheap. And that's also like, that's such an important moment for the characters who aren't dimensional travelers to have to do that. That's probably very scary for them. So I just kind of thought for a really long time. And um, the idea that I came up with was using, um, I have a projector at home that I bought for way too much when I was in high school. And I've been, I've always had fun, like when I have my camera out around projectors, when I was filming like bar mitzvahs and stuff, if you move past them, you got this really beautiful uh, flare of like rainbow lights. It's like effectively a prism at that point. And um, I thought it'd be really cool to just put my camera right in front of the projector and just layer all these uh, images of the moving projector light on top of each other. And then I could project that light onto diffusion on the inside of the machine. So then it was just a matter of I need to find someone to help me build a fake machine that looks real on the outside, but I know how to get the lights to work. And um I figured out like I could use sound by having like the, if I had like technicians counting down, if the countdown becomes gradually really garbled and distorted, that'll feel like you're, like you're moving and your signal's moving. And um, I could use the light as a way to just communicate like movement and energy or heat or anything like that. So um, I think like by having no money, it kind of helped me figure out a way that's like, it's hopefully when we shoot, it won't look super unrealistic and hopefully won't um, be, as distracting as the bad alien effects at the end of ground control. <laughs> yeah, you, you left me a little bit speechless with, with the process that you worked through there. And I, I love thinking about you at your desk over the summer writing this script and then all of these pieces that need to fall into place in order to actually realize it on the screen. I think it sounds like an extremely resourceful idea and i'm so glad I that it I, works. yeah well me too i'm, I'm in your corner we, I've, I've used the we already tested the projector light aspect i i know i can get the inside of the machine to work it's a matter of getting the outside to look good and we have a really good production designer who's helping us with that but um thankfully my uh cinematographer knows a lot about diffusion and he's amazing and i've already tested the projector light in the teaser we made for fundraising so i know that it gives me the exact look i want now it's a matter of just getting it all together and executing it. Well, and it sounds like you really are invested in the process, though, of working through yeah. these challenges. And and hey, maybe it's a silver lining, um, a little extra time to, yep. to kind of iron <laughs> a out a lot of time. <laughs> 
So to ex talk me through, you know, your process. I, we have you sitting at the desk. I mentioned in the intro that, that you're an incredibly resourceful filmmaker. Um, and, and I think that that does allow you to do so much more with so much less. And, and now we just sort of pulled back the curtain on that <laughs> and, and saw a little bit of how that works and, and how you really think these things through. But you also mentioned the, how you're relying on, on some others to really help fill these roles that you need yeah. to make this work. Um, how do you go about about finding these people to work with? Is that just sort of part of your college experience at SCAD? Um, tell this me a little bit a about your crew. This has been my this has been my first time actually having a crew because back home I was like my I was my crew and like I'd have my friends who they they'd also be filmmakers but like it was easier to have me on camera doing the DP and directing and have them on audio or holding lights and stuff than to have like a full crew because we have like three people crammed into my car driving to shoot somewhere without a permit it's not really good to have a crew we still don't really have permits now but we have. Um, uh, my DP Nolan, he was actually, he filmed one of the other finalists I found out at, uh, this year's festival. He's really amazing. Um, we became really good friends freshman year and we were always like, dude, we have to work together. We have like same exact, we have the same gripes with everything that happens at our school. So we're like, we have to work together. And, um, I told him last, I think I told him last year, it was either in the fall or the winter reporter, but I told him that I had an idea for a short film that I was going to spend the next year work like writing so that we could shoot it sophomore or junior year. And he was like, dude, just tell me when and like, I'll like, I'll make sure I'm available to shoot it with you. So, um, I got him on board very early on. I have, I was very lucky. My roommate last uh, freshman year was a really talented actor and he had a lot of very talented actor friends as well. So like I just automatically had a network of really good actors. Um, and because I'm minoring in acting so I can learn directing, I met even more actors uh, from that. So that's where I met my lead actress. And I've worked with her a few times now. Just We have like a really great communication. It's very easy to work with her. And it's good because I'm still learning how to direct to have someone that I'm very used to directing. So I can like kind of shorthand with her. I can be like, hey, I need you to do this. And she knows like, oh, he's bad at telling me how to do that. But I know what that means. And um and my, the, P, the production designer, we just got uh, lucky through my uh, producer, Mana, reached out to our, this uh, kid who I, had, I didn't know who he was. I tried for like an, literally from, I was, I've been looking for a production designer since before I went to the festival this year. <laughs> I was like reaching out to every senior production designer and they, all of them either didn't want to, sorry, just had some paper towels fall over. <laughs> no worries. At least you have um, paper towels. Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's why I'm sad that they fall over. But um, I reached out to all these senior production designers and they either didn't know who I was, they didn't care to work with me because I was a sophomore with no uh, college films made yet or um, they weren't available or they didn't respond to my text. <laughs> so then uh, just by chance, uh, my friend Manov, who's our producer, had a friend, uh, Yakub, who is, uh, I forget which country he's from, but he's, he's going home to the Middle East for the summer and spring. So I won't be able to work with him in person, but me and Nolan and Mon have met with him a few times to talk about materials and like the architecture of the set and stuff. And it was, it was kind of fun. It was like a little frustrating for all of us. Cause we all, we all had different language barriers of like, cause like, obviously I don't know any of his language and English is his second language. So it was me trying to explain very conceptual things to like someone who isn't born speaking English it was like hard for all of us, but we like, he's amazing to work with. He told us about all these great materials and how did he, we originally thought the machine would cost us, 5,000 to build. So we originally had a $10,000 fundraising budget. Um, he said that he can do it for under 2,000. So that... You're that hired. You're hired, my man. Yeah, so I was like, <laughs> awesome, you're good. And I already have one projector, so we just need to buy, rent two cheap ones to fill out the machine and then like however much the wood and fake metal costs and and then we're all set. <laughs> well, uh, it's a shame that you're going to be doing this in Georgia because you would be more than welcome to borrow. Uh, I have a very nice projector. Um, and that's I don't have my locations in New York. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but let me let me get, get back to this idea of this crew that you built. And you, you called it luck a few times, but obviously, you know, we can read between the lines here and see that there's quite a bit of effort goes into it. Uh, a lot of it's trial effort, and error. There's a lot of trial and error, but you get lucky with what the... Uh, trial gives you. <laughs> it's like you can trial and error and find someone, but I'm lucky that I got good people. And I think that's like, we all did put effort in to find good people, but it's like, we could have easily ended up with 
total jerks and like we got very lucky that everyone's like nice and gets along that's in all their effort yeah and so is that is that experience sort of what the college experience has has really meant to you this idea of being able to find other talented people you know with the same passion who who really want to invest in these projects and stories that mean so much to you that you're writing um you know i I, t- I often ask that uh, the people that I'm interviewing is college worth it? Why did you do film school? Why didn't you? Maybe even a better question for you right now is what is that? What is the best part of the experience? You're a sophomore, you know, you've, you've got a little bit of uh, the college vibe under your belt. You know, what is it that you take away from it as a positive? I think it's important to be cynical and realistic about every school you look at and just be like, what am I gaining from them? What are they taking from me? Um, for me, the big thing with SCAD is I will get access to their equipment and there will be a ton of really talented filmmakers who know how to use the equipment, because I don't. Um, originally, I was going to be a film major here, but I wasn't a fan of the curriculum in terms of what I wanted to get out of it. It's a very good curriculum depending on what you want to learn from a film major. But for me, I thought like I want to write and direct. It would be smart to do dramatic writing, screenwriting is my major, so that I leave college with some scripts that I can sell. Um, because that way I'm not spending like 10 years working on commercials that I don't like. Cause that, like some people love that. I know I would be miserable doing that. So I was planning, I was trying to plan ahead, but, um, my best part of this has definitely been meeting kids like Nolan, my DP, just because like, I wouldn't have met him otherwise. Um, I don't think I would have met him at all if I went to Syracuse, which was my other place I was looking at. Um, and also not, not every film school is one size fits all. It really depends what you want. Like for me, SCAD was good because they don't really have a focus on news. A lot of a lot of film schools that aren't like NYU or UCLA or Chapman have a big focus on like news and commercials. It's usually like media and telecommunications. And that was some of the ones I was looking at, like Syracuse and Ithaca. Amazing schools, but they were their focus was more TV, news, telecommunications. And I was more focused on narrative. So I thought like Savannah is a beautiful city to film in. They have really good... Um, tax breaks for, for filmmakers, which I don't need to worry about yet, but it's like a good to have that resource. Uh, they had the SCAD film festival, which has been really helpful. Um, really like that's been probably, that's probably been my favorite thing about going here so far as the film festival, the people I met this year, um, here, um, they have really great master classes during the film festival. If you're in any of the entertainment arts, you actually get to skip class for the week and just spend the whole week on the film festival. So I just like woke up at like six every morning put on dress shoes, dress shoes and a suit. And I'd like walk around in the 80 degree weather <laughs> trying to find the Joker producer. But, um, I'd meet people, I'd meet really great people. Um, like I said, people like Nolan. Um, so it was, it was the people, the equipment, the access to locations and just the fact it's like a beautiful city. Like I didn't, I didn't see for, for the stuff I wanted to make. I didn't really see myself being able to make it in Syracuse. Yeah. And I think again, I'm so happy that, I characterized you as being resourceful because that's, that's <laughs> I was very I was very happy about that too. Well, that's what that's what I'm I'm really finding I'm so impressed with here is you, you know you you sort of had this uh, you you can call it cynical uh, approach to picking a school and 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 I suppose it is but I think it's careful and I think it's crafted and what you're basically describing is you found a way to make the school work for you. And you were very careful and orchestrated about that process. And I think that's a great thing for our listeners to hear is that it's not one size fits all that you can, yeah, like you don't, can don't expect to go to NYU Tisch and become angry, like go to the school that makes sense for you and become good at what you want to be good at. Yeah. And speaking of that, you, you said something earlier that I don't want to pass over. You said that you are studying acting so that you can become a better director. Tell me what that's about. Yeah. So I, so like I said, I came in and I thought, okay, I'm going to be a film major. I originally, my original plan was be, um, when I was originally going to Syracuse was I got into their, um, I forget the, I think it was called Waltman or Walt new Newhouse Whitman, Whitman Newhouse. Anyway, they, they had a program where it was like a mix of film and business. Cause I thought, Oh, I should go to business school or business. I realized I missed below. Make me, I went here and, um, I was, I was always going to major in or major in film originally and minor in acting because I thought acting is the one thing I definitely suck at. Like I know I suck at acting <laughs> and I thought like, okay, I know I suck at it, but it's really necessary. And I watch a lot of student films where it's really painful to watch the actors and not, not because of them. Usually it's usually the 
filmmakers. And I also talked to a lot of actor friends who hate being directed by bad directors. And I watched all these really great um, filmmakers and actors talk about that online, about how like know what it's like to act so that you can help someone with that. And all my favorite movies, part of the reason I love them is because the acting is so good. So I figured like I need to figure out how to get that. And I have a really good school to learn acting here or at least the mechanisms of it, because most SCAD teachers have recently worked in the industry. Um, so the two, the two, I've taken two acting classes so far. Um, the first one was just like a, quali- like a starter foundations class um, where I had to do a lot of acting. So I didn't enjoy it very much, but I learned a lot <laughs> of like good like method stuff. Not, not in term- when I say method, it's not like, um, and that's what they, one of the clarifications they taught us. Method does not mean that you sit in a dark room for 13 hours and you become the character. It just means like anything you do to get in the character. But um, they taught us that. And then my second class where I met a lot of my acting friends was acting for camera. So it was like a little more concentrated and I got really lucky because our class acting for camera was at the same time in the same building as directing actors. So what they did was they said, Oh, you guys should work together every class. So they put us all in the same room and I had two amazing teachers teaching me at the same time. And like, I'd hear the critique for the directors and I'd, I'd experience it because I was the one being directed. by, them. <laughs> And I'd, uh, I'd also hear the critique from my acting teacher for me and for the directors. So it gave me a really good sense as to like, that's what I need to work on. That's what everyone else is screwing up on. That's what I'm screwing up on. And, um, it just, it also gave me a really good relationship with a few of my acting friends who I like am very good with now. And like, I have, like I said, a very good shorthand with them because we experienced the same bad directing at the same time. So it's easier for us to be like, oh, that's what didn't work. That's what, okay. And we'll, we, it's, it's very easy to talk to everyone about acting now that I've learned. That's what I can't tell an actor. Like that's what screws them up. And so that helps me. It's really smart. And uh, I'm so glad to hear that you're making these kind of connections that make your projects not only possible, but more productive. Um, let's yeah. let's take a step back um, and and look at the the younger Quinn. Why? Um, when did you start making movies, and why? I did a lot of um, stop motion stuff when I was really really little. Just we had a DSLR camera, so it was very easy to take the photos. <laughs> and um, I really liked stuff like Chicken Run, so it was just fun to do terrible stop motion with like the Legos and the like old toy dinosaurs my parents encouraged it because they both had jobs in um they both they they weren't the editors themselves but they worked in like tv broadcast for a while before i was born so they had a lot of experience around people like that and i had a lot of people coming in and out of my house who like their computers and would like help me like do the stop motion stuff they'd be like oh this is how you like put it on the computer and like that. So like I had like a lot of good experience from that and we had a few um, family friends. We had two family friends who uh, they both had their own like either production or camera companies like camera rental. So I was around a lot of that as a kid and my parents both showed me a lot of really good movies. So like I think every little kid likes movies, but it was just like I got to see the movies and then I got to see like my family friends who were making like their own stuff. So I was just always around that type of thing. And what about um, your high school experience? You know, obviously you, you kind of cut your teeth on these stop motion videos and I've heard that and I think it's great, right? You need that introduction and mm-hmm. you start to realize how a story can become a visual experience on a screen yeah. through that. And I, I love it. And I absolutely encourage that kind of learning curve. So once you got into high school, did you have a good film program? Did you have a support mm-hmm. system in place there as well? Yeah, so my, my high school film program is actually one of the reasons I dropped out of the film program at SCAD because I realized that it taught me everything that I would learn for not not everything. So the higher levels teach you like very specific lighting equipment, camera equipment, but the general storytelling and editing and the, the basics of a lot of film major stuff here were taught to me by my really amazing film teacher in Marinek, uh, Emily Dombroff, who uh, she, she's actually helped me and a few other kids from Marinek. Uh, at least place in, and I think a few kids won at the American High School Film Festival. I think Eli Cantor or Eli Worth. I never had a class with them. They were always together, so I screwed up their last names. But um, she's just amazing. Uh, she gave us, we had access to a few different types of cameras. I At that point, I'd already had like a little, um, my own camcorder that I've been using for a while with my like close friends. We'd shoot terrible movies that like we'd rarely finish filming and we'd er- uh, edit them terribly. But uh, once I got into her class, she had a bunch of DSLRs. And my family had a DSLR, but I couldn't really do much with it in terms of camp-like film. 
So I started using hers and I like looked up all these tricks on YouTube about like how to make the lens do whatever. And she was very helpful and like she taught me how to use Final Cut and then I learned how to use Adobe Premiere from our local TV station that I volunteered at. Sometimes they taught me how to use Premiere. So like I had a really great network between the TV station and my high school of just having an opportunity, especially the high school class. I got to like shoot something throughout the class. Like every other week I was filming something and I'd get to edit it and I'd have to show people, which I think was really good because you'd be in a dark room with everyone and you can really hear everyone's like, you can really hear everyone when they're not laughing at the jokes if you're in the room with them and they're not your mom and dad. So it was really good to like, but something that I thought was funny or I thought was dramatic or I thought was just like the right amount of time. It'd be like, it's seven minutes too long. It's not funny or it's not sad. Like you got to cut that. And um, me and Miss Dumbroff are both, I think very productively stubborn. <laughs> like she, she'd have a very strong opinion about something and I'd have a very strong opinion. We'd like kind of argue a little bit about it. And then like at the end we'd be like, yeah, I was a little wrong. You were a little wrong, but like this, this works in the middle, like right here. So it was, it was good to have someone that I had to justify myself to. So I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of the filmmakers I've worked with who aren't fun to work with are the ones who have never been told that they do this thing badly. So I think it was good to have someone sit me down and like, when you make everything too long, <laughs> you have to do this to make it shorter and to then have to justify it. And then she'd be able to explain to me, like, it doesn't matter when that doesn't work. It's too long or, Oh, I see now why you did that. Here's how we can do it better. So she was very helpful in like teaching me how to keep my ego in check and just make better stuff. I think that is such an important point to make and an important lesson for all of our listeners to hear is that the the artistic process should benefit from feedback, should benefit from every step of the process, having that feedback, whether it's table reads with your actors to work through the yeah. process, to hear those words in actual people's mouths to get okay. those ideas out of your head and, and to, to get that sort of audience response, your, your pro your product isn't final just because it's in your head finalized. <laughs> it, it needs to go through, you know, a, pro a, a yeah, a review process and, yeah. and to be humble enough to, to recognize that it, it can be worked on, it can be improved and that you should listen to the response to a certain extent from your viewers to, yeah. to make it better. You don't want too many chefs in the kitchen, but you also don't want, you, you want to find people who you trust and you want to keep it a small amount of people who you like, they're not always going to agree with you and they'll tell you when they don't like something. And uh, a really good piece of advice, I forget which, which of my teachers, but one of my writing teachers gave me a really good bit of advice that if someone tells you that something isn't working, they're usually right that something's not working and they're some they're very often wrong about how to fix it. It just means you have to listen. Like you have to trust that something's not working if someone tells you and just look at it really hard until you figure out what's wrong and how to fix it. Um, sometimes they'll be right. So you always want to listen to their suggestions, and write them down, and like think about them. But the most important thing is that if someone says you did something wrong, you did something wrong, like you're working in entertainment. So it's not entertaining in some way. You've got to listen to the people you're trying to entertain and take their word for it that it didn't work. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. So I understand then that all of these pieces helped lead toward a project um, ground control that ended up winning best overall film in a in a year last year that was extremely competitive, right? A, a very difficult decision for yeah. our team and the judges. Yeah, the whole time, me, and my, me and my lead actor went to the festival and the, we came in and we were like, what if we won? Like our families were like hyping us up too much. We're like, what if we won? We kept getting like, no, we didn't. That one looks really good. We're going to lose. Like a, every other, uh, you guys show like the little clips of the movies and every time we were like, it's so much better. That's so much funnier. Well, of course, the, the, it's it's a subjective process judging yeah. uh, and those decisions. Uh, I mean, we agonize over those decisions. Yeah, but I but can you, tell was, you guys had a lot of really amazing ones. I was very, I was very confused, but very happy. Well, it, it's well-deserved. Um, and. I want to like, I guess all of these building blocks kind of help result in a, a production like ground control. Can you tell me a little bit about the inspiration for that project? Um, and, and sort of what you were trying to create on screen for the audience? Yeah. Um, a lot of, so the, the original inspiration was I had a really amazing, uh, elective class in high school, uh, science fiction, uh, taught by a really amazing teacher, uh, Jeffrey queen. And he showed us just a, 
crap ton of uh, really great science fiction movies and short stories and just like little ideas. Like he would just show us like clips from Nova with crazy, like one of the clips he showed us was just literally a video that started out in the kitchen and just continuously zoomed out till we were on the edge of the universe. <laughs> so just like little things like that, where you'd just be sitting there. I love and, this guy already. I, I want to yeah, take this class. He <laughs> was really fun. And um, he told us this really beautiful story that was definitely, definitely not true <laughs> about the uh, two Voyager scientists, but he, he it was told to him from someone else. So he's allowed to tell us not true things as long as it's from someone else. <laughs> Uh, but it was just a really beautiful story about the two scientists on the Voyager, and I thought it was just really cool. He then, one of the assignments, I think our midterm for the class, was to write, or not a midterm, but like kind of like the like the middle big projects. It was only a half, half year elective. Uh, he had us write a short story about whatever we wanted to, and I had this idea for a movie after I listened to his story about the Voyager. I was like, really cool to do this thing about like, because I'd wanted to do something for a while about like someone either waiting for an alien invasion or suspecting an alien invasion. So I was like, oh, it'd be really interesting to see like what happens if no one knows what to do when the aliens come. <laughs> and I used that idea and a combination of his story to like start brainstorming. And as I was like brainstorming, I just like a lot of my writing process, just listening to music and just making playlists to like listen to, to like give me the emotions I'm thinking about. And I, had this like very very vivid image that i thought was really cool about um this person walking into the water like wearing full clothing walking into the water and like something being there in the water already i just thought like oh that'd be that'd be easy enough to film like i can do that that like i have to figure out how to get it in a movie now because that'll be really fun to look at and um that was the building block for the story and I, just, I wrote the short story and when it was done i sent it to the two actors i wanted to work with my two friends um, who I'd known for a while and I said like hey I'm making a script for this but do you want to read this short story it's pretty much the same exact thing and just tell me if you think it's interesting if you'd want to work on a movie version of it and um, just went from there so one of the things that I love about the script for ground control is the the subtlety um, and at the Thank same you. time the the layers of depth that are, are built into the story um, and and by subtlety I mean it essentially is the story of aliens arriving at Earth, not necessarily on yeah. Earth, which is, which is a, a, a terrific <laughs> twist. That, that yeah, spoiler. But that the the aliens arrive, but they just sit up there in their ships, and everyone goes crazy with the idea of what we do and what's going to happen. And again, so that takes this this extra ordinary idea and it grounds it for lack of a better word it makes it a lot easier to film it <laughs> i don't i see i that's I, I think you're you're far more humble than you admit um what really fascinates me about the story though beyond that which is a, a stroke of genius to to leave them up there and just watch what the people do in expectation is what the people do some people panic some people do awful, plan awful things, which was a very timely and relevant choice. When you watch the movie, everyone, you'll see what I'm talking about. And some people focus on love. And that element, that that love story that exists in the middle of all of this, it you show it. You don't tell it. They, they, they're not overt in the way that they describe their emotional connection, these two in the story. But um, I, I also got really lucky that I had two actors who had very good, like, just social chemistry, just as friends. Like, it was very, you could just, even though they had literally met each other, like, the week before filming, they, and they knew me very well. So I think that helped, like, they were a little more comfortable, but they were very good at just, like, being very friendly and comfortable around each other. So I, for, at least for me, it was easy for me to believe that they knew each other, which was very fun to work with. And I was very lucky that they had that because not everyone can do that on cue. What was the hardest thing about making ground control? What was the biggest challenge? Besides everything. Um, yeah, besides everything. Um, the title charts. <laughs> really? We, um, yeah, so we, my, my town that we filmed in, beautiful, beautiful locations. I love New York so much. But uh, the beach we were filming at is very heavily affected by tides, which is why it looks so nice to film on. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's right on the Long Island Sound. Uh, the 
filming windows weren't great because uh like obviously like high schoolers especially zach because he had just graduated as well by the time we like he, he had graduated a bit before i did so he was going to a private school um so he was going to be vacationing for the summer Lindsay was going to be vacationing with her family they all had x y and z to do i had nothing <laughs> that was all i did but um i had to like find not only dates when they were free but nights on the days they were free where the tide wouldn't keep us from filming so we had a lot of uh, a lot of difficulty or i had a lot of difficulty they they I luckily didn't have to bring them in to plan any of the title charts but i had to like go check it every two days to be like is the is the water like when the water's at 12 feet where is it out on the beach like can i film when it's at 12 feet like so it was just me going insane driving back and forth from my house to the beach and they're like biking in the middle of the night to see where the water was. And, um, that was kind of scary. Cause I was like, how am I gonna, like, I know, I know it'll work if I figure it out, but how do I make it look good? And the way we figured it out eventually at, at one point I was going to film it different. I was going to film the same scene on different nights, like film wide shots on certain nights and film like close-ups on a different location. But we got really lucky that the weather held for the night that everything matched up perfectly. So we had just enough space on the beach. It was super low tide. It was relatively quiet and um, there were no uh, clouds in the sky. So the moon was already kind of bright, which made it a lot easier to light it because I could see what was happening. <laughs> uh, so we, we got really lucky with timing. Um, a lot of planning involved in it, but we got lucky that then once we planned it, everything stayed together. <laughs> yeah. So there's and, that um, humility that, there's that humility that I spoke of. Um, you, you're calling it luck again, but you're also describing a, an extremely intricate, you know, well-prepared process to to make sure that luck was on your side, and that if it wasn't, That's, you, gotta, you, you gotta had a plan, plan B. So that it, yeah, you you have to always plan to have a plan A and plan B, and then if you get lucky, you get to your plan A. So that, that was that was what I meant by that. But um, that was tell, probably the hardest part of filming. Tell me about this uh, ingenious lighting technique, the super high tech <laughs> lighting technique that you, uh, employed for these beach scenes wow. as well. I've, I heard a little something about this. <laughs> it's a, it's two, it's two camping lanterns. One of them's taped to a broken boom pole. <laughs> so we, uh, our, our key light, uh, was, um, I bought a little, it was, it was camping lanterns. If you get them with the right type of, if they're cheap enough, they'll be very diffused because they'll have like frosted glass or frosted plastic. So thankfully it was also a night scene. So I didn't really need to spend too much on lights that had a white balance. I could just go as blue as I wanted and as white and blue as I wanted. Um, so I just had, we had um, my friend, I think it was John who played the alien in the original opening scene, the guy walking into the water. He's off to the side holding a, a boom pole. It has this one circular camping light that's about the size of my face taped to it. So that was our moonlight. Uh, so that gave us the light hanging over them and gave us a really nice eye light, which was awesome. So then I could like see where the characters were looking. And then the other lights were um, one thinner camping light that we used as the alien eye. And if you made it white, you could use it as just like we used it to light their faces a little so it didn't look too shadowy on their chins and noses. So you have one tiny light in front of them on the ground. And then we just had two really, they were like two $20 led lights pointing at the wall behind them so that the background wouldn't be black and that was that was all um it's 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 a stroke of luck uh a stroke of genius <laughs> uh certainly a, a heavy dose of resourcefulness and a trick that yeah. i will use at some point in my I can life send you the link. <laughs> please please do quinn uh we'll put it in the description to the podcast so that everyone can go out and this camping company is going to love us like all across yeah, america I, filmmakers are buying um, this camp light originally originally my plan was because I, I watched a lot of like behind the scenes videos the inspiration for the scene was actually moonlight or not moonlight um it was a kind of it was originally moonlight then i realized they had a giant box of diffusion above them so i was like i can't do moonlight. um and i was watching la la land which is uh, another really amazing movie obviously and uh, was I stole all of the ideas from their uh, planetor planetarium scene. They're inside the planetarium, and there's like this fake star wall above them. And they used a china ball throughout that movie to light the scene. I saw a behind-the-scenes photo where it's just a stick with a ball on it. And I was like, I can't buy a china ball. It's going to cost me too much. But I can buy a light that goes on a stick, and then that should solve my problem because I don't have C-stands. And it did. So, it did. It worked pretty well. And I'm glad that my friend had a really st steady arm so that it wasn't the moon wasn't 
jittering around the whole time. So that's the that's the the very intricate look into the behind the scenes of making ground control. What is the mm-hmm. film? What's the film really about to you? Why why is um, the story something you wanted to tell? I really like doing stuff about death and loss and memories, which sounds very bleak, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is the way I like to talk about it in my writing. Um, it's a lot. It's, I think it's a lot more blatant in my feature writing that I do for myself than it is in ground control. But I really like the idea of just how people react to things, especially reacting to death and tragedy. Um, I think it shows the best and the worst of people. And one of the really heaviest inspiration sources I had was my favorite TV show, The Leftovers, which is quite, it's like quite literally just the people left over from just this random uh, tragedy when suddenly groups in the world disappears. And it's just, what do they do after? Like, how do they react psychologically? And I just loved it. Um, and I, it, it's when you watch the show, it's a really brilliant uh, metaphor for 9 11. But um, it's sort of that similar idea of like, how do people react to massive changes in their lives? And I think it's really fun with science fiction. Um, so for me, it was very much about like, how do these people react to, like, in science fiction, you always have aliens invading. How do people react to it that aren't experts in anything? Like, they're just kids. Like, they're not, they don't have any stake in it. They're just, they're just trying to go to school and um, like hang around and eat ice cream and stuff. Like what happens to them? Um, what do they think and how does that affect their relationships? So I think it's like, it's too big of a thing for it to not affect you at all. And I thought it'd be interesting to show them. It's fascinating. And, and I think we all like hope and pray that we would be heroes in those situations and that <laughs> we would rise above those very unusual yeah. circumstances. But the, the fact of the matter is we don't really know. And that's a fun thing to explore creatively. And I, I think you do a, a phenomenal job of it. And I, I really enjoy your storytelling. Um, Thank you. Is that going to be a thread that resonates through most of your work, the, those similar yeah. concepts? Is, <laughs> is that what's next for Quinn Fluet? Yeah, I mean, actually, I know- both of the projects I'm working on right now, though, so I'm taking, a cl- I'm taking a two-part class where you basically write a full feature-length film script and then revise it. Um, and I'm about to take the second part of the class where I finish it and revise it. But that film and the one that I'm funding and shooting right now, Singularity, are both about people reacting to some sort of family loss within the context of like a science fiction setting. (laughs) I think I'm a little cliche with myself, but I'm having fun with the cliche, so I'm going to keep doing it. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely a thread for me. Is I just I like using the science fiction stuff as a way to. It's kind of fun because I get to play around a little bit more with the dramatic human things because I can throw in stuff that you're not going to think about. Like you're not going to watch a movie about like um, like family, like strange family members, like Place Beyond the Pines, and expect it to be about like multiverse theory and relativity. So I thought that's like oh, that's a really fun way to like throw in some drama and twists. So that's kind of where a lot of the ideas come from. It's like I'll have a like weird science fiction idea or a character relationship idea, and then I kind of like mesh them together. I am a huge fan of your style, of your subject matter, and I really look forward to these projects. I have two more questions for you before we wrap. First, what did the All-American High School Film Festival experience mean to you? Um, What what, did you take away from being a part of it? And not just winning, but just being a part of it. Yeah, well, I've been... um... I, I haven't won the I haven't won the three or four times before, Andrew. So I've I've got plenty of experience where I didn't. Um, and each time it was really, it was very. Um, I think important. It's it's I think it's very important for people to watch their stuff with other people because you see how they react. And like I said about my film teacher, you see what does and doesn't work. Um, and you also I think just get a good sense of like what works for you especially it's really fun to see in the movie theater like in all, in all in all seriousness it's just very fun to see your movie on a giant screen um so that, that's that alone is very fun to do and the fact that it's free it's like you might as well but i thought like every time i went to it it was just very fun to like see it on a big screen i got to meet different like filmmakers um i actually found out i was uh i was probably in the same theater as a few kids i go to school with now now like i forget who but i remember like looking back and like when i saw your movie in like 2016 they were like wait i was there in 2016 so it's just like i got to meet a lot of cool people um it's very inspiring to see a lot of other student filmmakers because if you spend all your time just watching tarkovsky and christopher nolan movies you're never going to figure out how you can do stuff i think it's good to look at other student films and figure out like oh that's 
that works well that or that didn't work for me like how do how do i make that work for me how's how do i get that to work for them to not work for my stuff um so it's just a really good source of inspiration um, really great networking um yeah it's just amazing networking really good inspiration sources and just very fun to be there in the middle of it and watching everything well, I'm, I'm certainly glad that we can provide that experience. And I, I, I'm also kind of gathering that maybe you, you got more out of not winning the first couple of years <laughs> that you submitted, uh, than perhaps maybe when you did nothing wrong with, but with, I was, I was being... certainly, I was certainly less, less nervous when I, <laughs> I was certainly less nervous the times when I wasn't like going to the award show. So that was, that was the, the time that I ended up when was the first time I was able to go to the award show. I typically would just come in uh, for the day of my movie because I didn't have a ton of money to come to the city. So I'd just like take a train and, and like watch my movie and like go home. <laughs> but uh, it was just like, it was very, it was, it was a lot more nerve wracking the final time. Uh, but also because I was one of the older ones there. So I was a lot more nervous. I was like, I don't know anyone here. I don't know what's going on. Um, but it was, it was just, I think I had a great time every time. Just more nerve wracking the most recent one. I'm sure. Well, I'm glad that uh, the, the, strain on your nerves paid off um <laughs> yeah no, it was very good very good payoff what uh what advice do you have for your younger self if if you're talking now to our community of emerging filmmakers and their teachers who are trying to you know teach them the the right skills to prepare them for careers and things what, what do you wish you knew then or, or what advice do you have for people who are passionate about this like you were when you were younger i would have um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the slightly more cynical answer first, and then I'll probably find a nicer one. But I, I would have started my Plan B earlier. I'm uh, currently planning for a Plan B where I'm gonna eventually go home and get an electrician's license so that I can at least make savings while I work on my scripts and my films. So that way, I'm not like planting myself into LA and living in my car for a few years because I don't think that's very I don't think that's very good for being a filmmaker. I don't think that's a very good source of uh, inspiration and stability. But I would have I would have started my plan B earlier so I could have focused more now on just filmmaking. Just be like I have my plan B set up. I'm just going to work on films because um, that's the one thing I wish I had right now. It's just the ability to step away from all the stuff that's like I have to plan for this and just sit back and like just work on my movies with my friends. Because I think that's like I think the the times the times I learned the most as a student filmmaker were the times when I was working the most. Um, I didn't notice at the time, but I, every time I look back at it, it's kind of funny. Uh, I did like four, four projects in one year, my sophomore year of high school. The first one sucked. <laughs> the first one sucked, and it it was good to it was good to suck because it gave me an opportunity to be like, oh, I'm really bad at that. I need to work on that. Of course, <laughs> not every not every shot can have a lens flare. I have to not do that next time. Um, but I did three other projects. I was really proud of um, one, especially that I was lucky or I was glad enough to win an award at like a small festival in my county but um i did three projects i was really proud of and i had one that i wasn't very proud of at the time but i learned a lot from so just doing the times when i worked the most and partly it was because of my film class um so i'd say just like i'd get my plan b ready earlier on so that i would be a little more stable to work on just filmmaking now but even now i'm like i'm finding a lot of time to do it it's just it would be nice to not have any extra strain obviously you're always gonna have strain but like do everything you can to not have that strain it's it's a it's a very mature perspective um and i think it makes a lot of sense uh, in this I also, yeah good before i forget it i also would have told myself to look up screenwriting structure in freshman year instead of uh senior year and freshman year of high, uh, college because <laughs> the second i learned screenwriting structure my writing got so much better because <laughs> i was like oh that's how it works like okay so I think like anyone who's trying to make movies, just look up screenwriting structure, please. <laughs> well, I, I will have to reach out to uh, Mrs. Dombroff, who sounds like an incredible teacher, um, mm. and share some of our curriculum resources because I dedicate yeah. a lot of time to that screenwriting structure and the five act structure and, and how much especially, it makes your life so much easier. Our, uh, Mamaranek, my sister goes to the high school still, and Mamaranek is closed for a while right now because of the virus. Sure. So she would, um, I would assume would definitely appreciate any resources that she could send kids because not everyone has cameras to work with. Um, she'll probably have them filming on phones or just like doing written assignments, but anything that she can give students, I'm sure she'd love to. Absolutely. And uh, we are sharing those resources with our entire community right now because uh, awesome. it's a, it's a challenging time. Uh, I want to end on a light note. I said I was going <laughs> to only ask two more questions, but um, okay. uh, is, is it true that 
Ang Lee's wife. Well, that Ang Lee was once a little bit uh, confused or upset with you when his wife gave you a hug randomly. Yeah. Um, uh, before, before I moved into, um, before I went to college and before I moved into the apartment, me and my family now live in, we lived on the same street as Ang Lee, which is amazing to us. We thought that was the coolest thing ever. It still is pretty cool to me. <laughs> yeah. Just cause like he was like the first adult movie I ever watched crashing tiger and dragon. So it was very fun to like live on the same street as that guy. And, uh, his wife, uh, Jane, who's, I, I forget her exact job. She's some sort of scientist and she's apparently very well renowned in that, in that world. I'm not a part of it. So I, I have, I have no bearing on that, but I, I know because my mom found out, but, um, she was very, very kind. She like came over to us and introduced herself and like gave us some fruit and, uh, she was very nice. And, um, I never got to meet her husband Aang, because he was off filming all the time. He did, I think he did stop and, uh, watch me film once because me and my friends were filming a scene where it was a hit and run. So there was a fake dead body on the side <laughs> of the road. And I saw, I saw, I saw a guy who looked and I was like, it's like Ang Lee. I think Ang Lee just saw a dead body. But um, his, he gave a really amazing uh, speaking event at our high school because his sons attended our high school. And um, he just like told everyone, they, they talked about his movies a lot. And then he just took questions and they interviewed him. Like he uh, just talked to us a lot about like his process and what he thought, of, like what he, what he thought of his movies, which is very useful, I think, to hear from filmmakers. And um at the end of the event, like you could go up and try to talk to him and he was kind of swarm. So I was just kind of patiently waiting at the back and I saw his wife. I was like, Oh, I should say hi to Jane. I haven't seen her in like a solid year because I've been at school and at work. And, um, I saw her and she recognized me at first because I was a bit taller. Thank, thank God. <laughs> she recognized me first and I went up and I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm Roseanne's son, Quinn. And she's like, Oh, Quinn. And she like, she hugged me. And as I'm like, I hugged her for a second. And I like, we were talking like, Oh, how's your mom doing? How's, how's your pet bird? Blah, blah, blah. I, uh, looked over at her husband who's being swarmed by people from my town. And he's just looking over at both of us. Just so, so confused. <laughs> it's like, why is this 17 year old hugging my wife? Like what's happening? Hey man, when you got it, you got it, you know? Yeah, it was very, it was very fun to watch. It was very fun to make a, someone I admired that much so confused. Oh, that's great. Well, um, yeah. that the the synergy and uh, karma surrounding you and and your skill, and uh, the the connections that you're going to make in the future, I would have no doubt that one day someone will be getting a hug from your wife, and everything will be just as confusing from the opposite side. Um, I really yeah, do see that. Confused, so that'll happen for sure. <laughs> well, exactly. And I, I, I really do see that kind of success for you. Um, I want to thank everyone again for, for joining us. And thank you, Quinn, for an insightful glimpse into your experiences and motivations as a storyteller. I encourage all of you to check out Quinn's work. The links will be in the description, as well as a link to that crafty light technique. Uh, and I remind you that this is just one of many in-depth conversations with the future of film. Go to hsfilmfest.com for more information on the All-American High School Film Festival. And please remember to subscribe and share across all platforms to support our important community of artists. See you next time.